Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, God is good. We're going to jump into the Word of God today, so why don't we stand together and we'll just pray. If you could just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. I thank you that it washes me, it corrects me, it encourages me, and I ask that you'd speak to my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Awesome. So uh, last week, if we could just shut that door, Melanie, because we got, what's happening now is we have the uh, Christmas hamper program coming up and the phones have been ringing off the hook. So that's a good thing because there's needs out there and we want to be, we wanna be uh, reaching those needs. So uh, today I want to finish this message on um, naked and unashamed. As you know, we've been doing, a, there was a series by Kevin Garald called Naked and Unafraid. We're doing that in our Connect groups. Uh, and I'm taking a bit of a twist on it. I'm talking about shame uh, through the next, uh, uh, last week and this week. And so I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. It was our key verse. It says, now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him uh, in her heart. You know, David's passion uh, for the presence of God was amazing. It's unparalleled in in the Old Testament scripture. We see a man who just wanted to be where the presence of God is. How many want to be a people like that? David was described by God this way, and we're going to Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And it's important to note this. this is, it wasn't David saying, I'm a man after God's heart. It wasn't the people. It was God himself. It says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said himself, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. And here's the thing. When we have a heart after God, we have a heart after the heart of God. Guess what? We'll do what he asks us to do. Because what happens when we, when we know the heart of God, we know that he has a heart for us. God's not out there to control us and manipulate us and get us to do things. He's there because he wants us to pl- prosper. He wants us to be in health. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He's totally accepted you. He hasn't accepted our sin. We have to repent of our sin, but he accepts you as a person. Okay? And so... Um, Many men and women are after God's mind. You know, it's so much about, I, I just, there's so many um, uh, groups in Christianity, it's just about understanding the mind of God. We just got to understand the doctrine perfectly. And how many know that creates a lot of debate, right? And, and there's a lot of debate because we just got to understand. And the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. Being, 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 knowing the doctrine is very, very important. But there's more than just seeking the mind of God. There's more than just seeking the wisdom of God. And many even seek the hand of God. They read the scripture looking for the promises of God. How, what can I get out of God? How can I have a better life? What promises are available to me? And all those things are okay, but I think God really, the best place we can be in is to be a people after the heart of God. Wouldn't you agree? And so uh, when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the ruling center of the whole person. We talk about the heart, we're talking about the springs of all your desires, the deepest part of who you are, your spirit. 
And, 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 God, and David didn't just want to have the hand of God, the provision of God. He wanted to know what made God tick. What was his passion? What was his desire? What was he after? And because David understood the heart of God, we see that um, he looks at things a little differently. We're going to go to Psalms chapter uh, 161 to 165. If we can bring that up. It says, and I, I want you to see this because it's so important. Okay. David says, he's basically saying, this is how I deal with persecution. Has anyone ever been persecuted? Let me see your hand, okay? You've been persecuted. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. You see, he understood that the word of God, he, he, could, he could go to the word and be standing in awe. This is how he dealt with persecution. Let's keep reading here. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Next verse. I hate and abhor lying, but I love the law. Seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous judgments. Seven times he would stop and just start praising the Lord. Okay? Great peace have those who love your word or your law, and nothing, say nothing, causes them to stumble. Now this is important. Let's read another verse in uh, Psalm 119, verse 28. This is how David dealt with depression. Anyone ever have depression? My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. You see, he understood the power of the scripture, the power of God's word. All right? Because God, David knew that God's heart is about healing and restoration. David knew that God just wants the best for us, that he loves us, that he wants to transform us, that he wants to see us have a better tomorrow than we have today. He understood that because he sought the heart of God. Those who just sought the law of God and the, word, the, 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 the mind of God didn't understand the heart of God. De the devil and religion wants us to think God is, is more of a shackle. Well, you have to pray so many times and you have to do things this certain way. And if you don't, you know, worship on a certain day and you don't do that, then you're like, oh, man, that's shackled. I want freedom. And I know so many people who won't come to God, who don't want anything to do with church, don't want anything to do with Jesus, because they interpret it that God is a shackle, that his word will shackle them when it actually sets you free. And because David knew the heart of God, he knew that if I, I love your law because every time I read it, it washes me, it cleans me, it gives me purpose, it deals, helps me deal with persecution, it takes away my depression, and he understood the heart of God. How many know we need to know we have to be a people after the heart of God, and when we do that, we'll fall in love with his word? Amen? And... Uh, Sin is really, really the issue that we're dealing with here that comes in and causes three things to happen. When we sin and when we're separated from God, uh, there's guilt that comes in. We feel guilty. Now, guilty is we recognize we've done something wrong, so we feel bad because we violated truth. Everybody understands that. But if we don't deal with the guilt, uh, fear comes in. And if we don't deal with the fear, shame follows afterwards. Right. And I, I want to talk about being uh, naked and unashamed because we have to understand that guilt is recognizing that we've we've done something wrong. We failed in an obligation. But shame is saying, I am something wrong. I'm not lovable. There's something wrong with me. 
And how many know that the devil would want you to be ashamed of yourself? How many, how many hear what I'm saying? And live with shame because shame will oppress you and keep you suppressed. And so we see here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, I'm just going to do a little review of some of the things we touched on last week. And we see that after Adam and Eve sinned, it said, At that moment their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. See, up until that point, mankind, which was only the two of them, they had never felt the feelings of shame. They never felt fear before. It was a new emotion. It was a new feeling. The moment they sinned, when God's protection came in, Satan's kingdom came with thoughts and feelings and impressions that came flooding into their soul, and they felt guilty. They felt fear, and they felt shame. Those feelings are real. How many have ever felt those? And so what they did was they sewed some fig leaves together and tried to cover themselves. And that's, that's what it says. It says, they suddenly felt at the moment their eyes were open, they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And that's what we do is we try to cover ourselves. That's what people try to do. I want to cover myself with my good works. I'm going to cover myself uh, with the position, with my popularity, uh, with my personality, with my charitable deeds. I'm doing a bunch of good things. And the Bible calls those things dead works. Because they won't get you to God. And we try to cover our shame. We try to cover our nakedness. We try to do these things. And then verse 8 to 10, we see this. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And that's what people do. How many know people hide from the presence of the Lord when they feel guilty and full of shame? Because they know they're wrong. They're like, i got to hide. Where's a bush? And they jump behind the bush. And God comes and goes, where are you? Like he doesn't know. I'm over here. Why are you hiding? I'm naked. What are you doing about it? I'm making a bikini out of fig leaves. I'm covering myself up. And they tried to cover themselves to deal with the shame. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And I want to say this, guilt, fear, and shame. Say that together. Guilt, fear, and shame entered into Adam and Eve in the garden. And they tried to cover themselves, but they weren't able to. And let's see what God does in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. He says, who told you that you were naked? So that invisible kingdom started to speak to him. The demonic kingdom started to give him thoughts, feelings, and impressions that as if they were their own thoughts, feelings, and impressions, but they were coming from another kingdom. And they felt fear, guilt, and shame. The same fear, guilt, and shame that Lucifer and all his demons feel because they're separated from God as well. How many hear what I'm saying? And so what God did in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, says, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. And we have to understand this. The reality is that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Okay? Only a sacrifice of the innocent can cover the sins of the guilty. 
And so throughout the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats covered the sins of the people. So once a year, the priest would come and he, they, would, they would sacrifice a bull and that would cover the priesthood. And then they would sacrifice a goat and that would cover the sins of the people. But the only thing it did was it covered their sin. It didn't remove it. So what happened was these people, including Adam and Eve and Abraham and David and Job and Daniel and all the people we read in the Old Testament, their sin was covered, but the guilt, the, faith, the, the shame, and the fear remained. That's what the Scripture teaches us. So let's look at something very interesting in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. All right, here we go. The old system... Say the Old System. That's the Old Testament. So the Old System under the law of Moses was only a shadow of the one to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. So they came to worship, but they didn't have perfect cleansing. If they could have provided perfect cleansing the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all, right? So that every year they had to sacrifice bulls, they had to sacrifice goats to cover the sins of the people. But look at this here, okay? And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. See, when, when you are cleansed fully by the blood, the guilt disappears, the shame disappears, the fear disappears. The effects of sin are taken away. But the blood of goats and bulls couldn't wash away the effects of sin. It just covered your sins. How many see that? Verse 3, but instead those sacrifices actually reminded the people of their sin year after year. So they go, okay, it's time to get the family together. We're going to go before the priest. And they'd sacrifice an animal, and they'd say, okay, this is to cover your sin. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I did it again. I feel so ashamed. I shouldn't have done that. I'm such a loser. I'm so depressed. I feel terrible. But at least God doesn't see my sin. But they had to carry the guilt. They had to carry the shame. They had to carry the fear. Do you see that? All right. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Jesus is my body I'm going to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or the offerings for sin. And then I said, Lord, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Verse 8. First Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant, which is the old covenant, the Old Testament, in order to put in the second. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. When Jesus died and you accept Jesus, his blood has the power to forgive you for all sins, past, present, and future. He can take away your guilt, your fear, and shame instantly. 
All right? Now I want to go to Hebrews, okay? Chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. And look what he says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can come boldly. Say boldly. We can enter heavenly, the most, we can enter into heaven's most holy place because of what? The blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opens a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him. See, Adam and Eve didn't go into the presence of God, but they hid behind a bush. But because Jesus' blood not only covers our sin, it washes it away. It takes away the guilt, the fear, and the shame. We can boldly go into the presence of God. Isn't that good news? Okay? So let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. So he's saying here that the guilt that we feel because of the sins has been sprinkled by the blood, has been made clean, so you no longer have to be guilty. You no longer have to be ashamed. You no longer have to think of the shame of your youth and say, I shouldn't have did this, and I was such a rotten person. You say, you know what? It's under the blood. I'm a new person. I don't have to be ashamed. God forgives my sins. Isn't that good news? I say that because in the Old Testament, No one was able to say that. Everybody was waiting for a better day. Everybody was waiting for Jesus, the Messiah, to come and cleanse them. But we have that. It's not good news. That you don't have to think about, well, my first marriage, and I shouldn't have, and, you know, I'm so ashamed of the decisions I made, and I shouldn't have did that. No, it's under the blood. It's been forgiven. And the guilty conscience that you have has been sprinkled with his blood, which is mean it's gone. I no longer have to yield to guilt. I no longer have to yield to shame. I no longer have to listen to fear because I've been made pure by the blood of Jesus. In verse 22, it says, we're to draw near with full assurance of faith. Do you know what that means? Um, full assurance. I had... Last week, as you know, my septic system backed up into my house. And I, I'm like, what are we going to do? It's going to cost money to repair this. So we had the septic done, and it actually was pumped out, but it was clogged in the pipes. So it was backing up into one of my bathrooms, and it was nasty. I, I'd show you pictures, but I want you to keep your breakfast. So it was, it was really bad. And uh, so I pulled out my insurance. And in my insurance, I have $25,000 allotted for septic backup. So I had assurance in my insurance that I was covered. But how many know there's a deductible? And that's $1,000, and I figured I can fix it for 1000 bucks. So I didn't put it through the insurance. But I had a deductible. When you have insurance, you have a deductible to pay if there's damage. And then there's premiums that you have to pay. Then the insurance company is supposed to come and take care of it. We understand that. Well, listen, we have the best insurance ever. We have Jesus Christ, mutual life. 
And the premium was paid by Jesus himself with his blood. He paid for our sins. His blood was the premium. And you know what? The deductible is just coming and saying to the Lord, I surrender my life. Here's my mess. I give it to you. And I put my faith in you to fix the problem. That's your deductible. And then he comes and takes care of your life. Amen? They couldn't do that in the Old Testament. We should be so excited when we get up every morning. The joy of the Lord should flood us. I thank you, God, that you have not just covered my sin. You've washed it away. So I'm no longer going to listen to shame. I'm no longer going to listen to these feelings of guilt. I'm no longer going to be afraid of you. I'm gonna, if these thoughts come to me, I'm going to cast them out and say, be gone in Jesus' name. Because God's word says otherwise. Does that make sense? And so... Verse 10, chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is what? Faithful. So we have to watch what we say with our mouth, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How do you know if you're listening to thoughts of shame, thoughts of guilt? You start talking about it throughout your day. But you watch your confession Keep your confession right, and you watch. God will be faithful in his promises. I want to just bring up some PowerPoints. Here's um, how you know if maybe you're struggling with guilt or shame. How will guilt affect my life? Guilt sparks insecurity, indecision, and even poor decisions. It will cover your decisions, color your decisions, and your conversations, and cause you to always second-guess yourself, tempting you to to change your beliefs. People that deal with guilt that haven't got the revelation that Jesus cleanses them will fall back into their old ways and will doubt their faith. How many have ever seen that? I've seen that. I had people I lead to the Lord. They, they had genuine experiences with the Holy Spirit, but then the guilt comes back. And, oh, I'm so ashamed. You know, God, God can't love me and I shouldn't have done this. And maybe this belief system isn't right. So they change their faith. That's what guilt would do. Next, how will shame affect my life? Shame is the inner thoughts of being not wanted. It makes you feel worthless, rejected, and cast out. If you feel that way and your inner thoughts are saying you're not wanted, you're worthless, you're rejected, that's a demonic spirit trespassing and giving you thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Shame says you're bad. Shame says that you are not loved because you are not lovable. That's what the spirit of shame will say. Next. Shame always carries with it the sense that there's nothing you can do to purge its burdensome and toxic presence. It's like overwhelming. I just can't get rid of this. Only the blood of Jesus will drive it out and wash you clean. Shame feels like it cannot be resolved. It must be somehow endured, absorbed, covered, minimized, or denied. Shame is so painful, so debilitating, that a person develops a thousand coping strategies, conscious or unconscious, numbing and destructive, to avoid its torture. That's what shame will do. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because so many Christians that 
dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, and even myself, I've struggled with, where, where they're washed by the blood. God, Jesus came to pay for their sins and to wash their sins and the guilt and the shame and the fear, yet they're somehow still full of shame and still full of guilt. How many hear what I'm saying? And I'm here to say this morning that we can cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, don't only forgive me for my sins, but cleanse me from the result of the sin. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the shame. I want the blood of Jesus to wash it away. Amen? Shame always care. Okay, here's shame is about embarrassment, humiliation, feeling of low value, and above all, powerless to get rid of shame. Okay, next slide. What does God say? Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I, remove, will I remember no more. Some of the things you keep thinking about and running over in your mind, God, God doesn't remember them. We remember them, don't we? Like we could be our worst, own worst nightmare, but God, God, do you remember when I did this? He's like, no, I don't remember. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? That's an infinite line each way. There's no, there's no ending to that, okay? That, that's how far it is. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And, and I want you to see the tense, how far he has removed. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? It's past. He's removed it. It's already been taken care of. The moment you cried out to Jesus, he's removed it from you. Isn't that good news? Colossians 1, verse 22, we, he says we are holy, we're unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So in your sight, in other people, they say you're unholy, you're, you've got issues in your life, uh, I have a reason to blame you, uh, you know, but God is saying, no, in his sight, you're holy. Isn't that good? Doesn't that make you want to shout? To realize that God looks at you and he, he sees you cleansed? Makes me excited. Go back one more. Galatians 4, 6 and 8 says that we can call him Daddy God, Abba Father, that we are sons, we're daughters. We need to get this in our spirit. Next verse or next slide. Because of the cross, we can have peace. How many need peace? We can have inner quietness. You know, I, I, there was times in my life, even when I was in ministry, where I just had constant thoughts coming. You know, rejection and what, if, what are people going to think about you? And, you know, are you preaching good enough? Are you, you know, are you a good enough dad? You're not a good dad. You sp- and just thoughts constantly coming. Now I, I'm wise. Now I understand the strategies of the devil. And I cast those thoughts out. And I say, no, no, no. In Jesus' name, I cast you out. You know, get out. And I won't allow those thoughts anymore. I take them captive. Because if it's contrary to God's word, it's insanity. So he wants peace and her quietness and confidence. Walk with your shoulders. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Without him, I'm a sinner. But with him, I'm a saint. Amen. Isaiah 32, verse 17. The fruit of that righteousness, talking about the righteousness of Jesus, will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence. For how long? forever. Isn't God good? You know, 
I want to give you an assignment this week, and as you're spending time with the Lord, and I'm going to do this as well, is um, to really pay attention to our confession, what we say about ourselves, what we say about others, what we're declaring out of our mouth, so that when we, so we will recognize feelings, thoughts, and impressions that are not in line with God's word, and we can begin to cast them down. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place and you just say, I just want to, I, I, I know the scripture says I'm forgiven. I understand that. And, and, and because of his blood, I, I'm going to heaven. And I'm, but I still feel guilt and shame for things that I've asked God to already forgive me for. And I recognize that today. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to raise my hand right now. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand in this place and I see hands going up be honest with the Lord and I'm going to pray and I want everyone to pray this and say Heavenly Father I thank you that your word says that if I say I have no sin I lie and I don't practice the truth but if I confess my sin you're faithful and just to forgive me my sin and then the second part say that and the second part is you're going to cleanse me from the sin and the effects of that sin. So God, cleanse me right now from a spirit of shame and a spirit of guilt that is keeping me from walking with my shoulders back in confidence, in peace, and in quietness of soul. Thank you, Jesus. Cleanse me right now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, right now as a pastor, as you know, your servant, Lord, and as your son, I just pray for myself and for your, your children, my brothers and sisters. And I just take authority over guilt and shame that's coming from the kingdom of hell to speak to them. And I command that spirit to leave them in the name of Jesus. Set them free and go back to your dry place and let, your, let the people of God be free. In Jesus' name. God, help them to recognize, to have discernment. Your word says true maturity is when we can discern both good and evil. And so many times the enemy comes in with thoughts. That, and we just think it's our own thoughts. But it's, it's the devil coming giving us thoughts in the first person. And we, we buy it. But no more, God. For you have given us a spirit of wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.